Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Hi, my family's going to a concert in the park, and we want our style to be the main attraction. Rock over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, right now get up to 50% off jeans from 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Up to 50% off jeans for the family? That's music to my ears. Plus, now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online, pick up in store. It's fun, fast, and free. Styles that take center stage and free pick up in store when I buy online? Old Navy, here we come. High Fashion, Old Navy. Valid 720 to 729, select styles only. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. What is up? I am Kyle Krabs, Director of Scouting with NDT Scouting and the co-host of the Draft Dudes Podcast, What's Better Than This? It's time for the 2017 Battle of the Boards. It's about to get lit. Wee Joe! Welcome! What's up, man? I am so fired up, man. It's, it is time. It is, it's been 10 months, right? Since we started this draft class. Ten months. Ten months. And now we have the opportunity to sit down, go over each other's notes, and pick them apart. And that is a very exciting concept to me. It's going to be good, man. Um, you've got some really bad rankings that we have to get into, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay there, Sam Tarley. Um, you don't know who that is. No. <laughs> no, I <laughs> You are already in a hole because you don't. You have not watched a single ounce of Game of Thrones. I ha- I haven't watched a single ounce of anything, dude. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go for the next year. Okay, I'm gonna relieve you of your duties, and you have to go watch <laughs> Game of Thrones. I, okay, so I have rules on TV shows. First of all, I don't watch any non-sporting event that's longer than thirty minutes. So is is this an hour-long show? Yes, but they kill each other in battles to the death, so it counts as sport. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting twist there. 
Um, what else? What are your other rules to television? That's pretty much it, and I prefer like just comedy stuff that I don't really have to think. Well, they have comic relief in okay. Game of Thrones. Or do you have to like follow plot lines and like really imply your mind to follow? Uh, I mean, this is stuff yeah, that I struggle out. with. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess the title and the intro are as close as we're going to get to any Game of Thrones style <laughs> references, and that's okay. Um, we can talk about how bad your board is first. Uh, but before we do, we got to talk about the composite board. Yes. Uh, the composite board is Joe and I have taken each of our individual rankings and blended them. They're weighted 50-50. And we've put out uh, on the website, you can find our top 100 on the composite. And if you go to fanspeak.com and use their on-the-clock simulator, you could actually use the full 300-player board to simulate the NFL draft and use that to to pick for your team. Um, so, Joe, we, we each have this up in front of us, and I, I'm interested to see if your reaction is the same in, as mine. As in, I look at this, and I see a lot more, quote-unquote, consensus and what the consensus is in national media than what either of our individual boards was able to yield. Sure. Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. Um, we we're we're pretty similar on a lot of guys, um, but at the same time, there are players. You know, there's some of the later round guys where it's a lot of preferential type stuff um, in, in foresight where we differ a lot, and I, I'd expected that. But one of the things that caught me off guard a little bit was some of the players you have in your top ten that are you know, not really close to my top ten, comparatively speaking, and vice versa. Right, so if you're looking at, at Joe's top ten, uh, we can sort this board uh, from A to Z and, and put your top ten right up and live, and you can see uh, O.J. Howard mm-hmm. being one, Solomon Thomas being another, uh, Marlon Humphrey, and Forrest Lamp making a surprise appearance in your top ten overall players, yeah. Joe. Yeah, exactly. So I've got... One, two, three, four, five players. Half of my top ten, you have twenty or later on your board. That's and if crazy. you flip, <laughs> if you flip that around my way, yeah, you've got thirty-first, thirty-second, fifty-first, thirty-eighth in players that I have in my top ten with Cam Robinson, Deshaun Watson, Joe Mixon, Ryan Ramchek, and. Um, that's it. That is it. Yes. So there's, and I think people talking about this class, uh, I don't necessarily know how much of a surprise that is because you talk about the class and people will talk about how good the players are, but you get past the first pick. And apparently now that's even up in the air, according to, to Schefter's report from, from the Cleveland Browns and, and Miles Garrett. Um, and, there's like three or four candidates for every slot in the top ten. It feels like. So let's let's get, if you don't mind, I want to get into some specific, oh gosh, some specifics here. Uh, you know, I've had two days off, so my, my voice is a little rusty. You'll have to, yeah, you uh, to knock knock the rust off. It's yeah, been a week gotta, since you've been on the show. <laughs> but trying to get the damn draft guide out for the people. Hey, it's done. It's done. <laughs> I hope everyone enjoyed it. I haven't slept and, in months. And um, now your watch has ended. Yes. So so let's. The, the, the One of the biggest narratives about this class overall is the offensive line talent is not there. Well, when I look at Kyle Krabs' board, 
I see two top ten offensive tackles, and I, I don't mean top ten values. I mean two players ranked in your top ten prospects that are offensive tackles, with another one lurking right outside at at thirteen for Elfline, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, so you've got three in the top fifteen. I mean, are, are you are you saying that's a false narrative, and you're liking this offensive tackle class? Well, I'll, uh, the offensive tackle class, the or top offensive is very, line. Yeah. yeah, the offensive line. Why turn around and look at yours? You got Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney. Um, you have to dig a little bit to find your third offensive lineman. Uh, looks like Pat Elfline at thirty-five, or Cam Robinson at yeah. thirty-one. So, so that's a good um, point. We have five so we each different... have. Yeah, you've got two guys in your top twelve. So I yeah. would turn around and ask you the same thing. Well, so the, the, uh, the I would whole say. Narrative. Sure, and, and I would say some of this is a byproduct of the fact that you know, if you're a starting caliber offensive tackle, you get a boosted by scoring approach. If you play a premium position, then then you get a bump. And offensive tackles as exterior pass rushers, uh, that's a premium position for me. I feel like you you got to have strong bookends. So Cam Robinson and Ryan Ramchek, I feel like, are starting caliber offensive tackles at the next level. And as a result... Uh, that's why they are as high as they are on the board. Yeah, you know, one thing that my board or my, my evaluation system really discriminates against, and I, and I know yours does as well, is is deficiencies. And, and if there's if there's major things about you that um, are, are concerning, it's, it's going to bump you down. And that's why when people see my board, they're going to see players that didn't have a first-round grade that – you know that you heard me rave about for the last six, eight months on, on podcasts. But if you're, if there's a trait, if there's something about you that's lacking, it's going to be difficult for you to score in the top uh, 32. A, a couple players right. that come to mind. Uh, look at Obi Melifonwu. You've heard me talk about him at length and what I think he can do for a defense and the physical uh, upside of him. But you know the fact that he does have some some poor downhill reads and some issues tackling and being consistent with his physicality, you know, that bumped him right out of, of a first round grade uh, for me. So um, that was kind of revealing because one thing that I didn't do really until the end, until all my scores were done was sort my board. I didn't know what my board was until Sunday night. People were scored, man. Yeah. And and so I'm looking through this and I'm like, wow, like I can't believe this player is so high or this player is not this high. But what I learned when I went through one by one, player by player, it was rounded skill set, rounded skill set, rounded skill set combined with the peripheral metrics, and that's how my board really stacked. Yep, and I told you. Yeah. Did I not tell you? Like it's the first time you do it a way that's standardized. It's like you you get the final output. It's like, holy cow. Yeah. I never would have imagined this is the way they'd stack. Yeah. But again, it's to protect yourself from internal and external biases, and yep. it's it's rating and it's you're looking for eliminators. Things like if you if you've got uh, poor size or poor production, you know, there they may be minute factors in the grand scheme of things, but it is a factor you want to have in a prospect. So when those deficiencies show up in your peripheral metrics or a notable deficiency in your in your tape, mm-hmm. this is what you get. This is the end result. Um, you know, I'm looking over yours right now. How many first round values did you finish with? Uh, I believe twenty three. 
Okay, so so Carl Lawson, does that sound right? Yeah, Carl Lawson is my last first-round grade. Okay, and, and that is number 23 on the board. Uh, that's more than I've ever had. I had 17 this year. 17 mm-hmm. is also the most I've had in, in four years, and some people are going to kind of scoff at that, but uh, as you just alluded to, this is something like a first-round value is supposed to be you're checking all the boxes, right? So I don't concern myself necessarily with a low number like 17, although last year I had eight, <laughs> or for you, 23, because that's supposed to, those are supposed to be your guys that you can say across the board they check every box. Yeah, and, and I think that's that really helped me completely buy into my system because this is my first year with the scoring system. You know, it's been vetted. You and I have went through it. We think it's a good system. But when I was able to sort it and see it validated that guys that I perceived as, as pure checking every box be those first-round grades, uh, something I was really quite quite happy with. All right, so let's – um. Do you have any more macro type stuff you want to get into before we get into some uh, some nitty gritty stuff? I, I don't. I was uh, that that offensive line thing was interesting. Five five players in the, in the top thirteen, different players in our in our board in, in our respective. Yeah. yeah. So the five, if you're going off the composite board, we'll tee that up. Um, top offensive lineman is Cam Robinson at thirteenth on the composite board. Then you have to duck down to Dorian Johnson from Pitt at mm-hmm. 20. Uh, Ryan Ramchek and Pat Elfline at 22 and 23. And then Forrest Lamp at 26. So if you're looking at our top 32, Dan Feeney even sneaks in there. Now, Jill, we're going to have to talk about Dan Feeney a little bit, but we'll we'll put that on the back burner, okay? Okay. Yeah, because you know, he's getting propped up by one of us, and it ain't me. Um, so so we we actually have six offensive linemen in our composite top 32 and i think some of that is probably um it seems like there's there's like a witch hunt against interior offensive linemen right like they're so downplayed like they're not important yeah and i guess before we move on to to you versus me with our personal boards. Uh, I'd like to give a minute or two to that and get your thoughts on that because I really think you need to have five starting level offensive linemen. And people seem really complacent and content to push off, oh, well, you can get a guard in the fourth round. And yeah, you might be able to get a warm body, but I'm a warm body. You can throw me out there. That doesn't mean I'm going to do anything. And, And I think for a lot of teams, the... Um, lackadaisical approach to investing in your offensive line uh, has has set some teams back. It hurts quarterback development. Uh, it really cripples your offense. So uh, I think the people like us that are looking at okay, this is these are quality football players. Uh, I would expect our composite board and each of our respective boards to have guys on the interior offensive line probably a little bit higher than you'll catch any forecaster or a lot of other talent evaluators. Yeah, well, I think my board certainly speaks to that being true, considering I have three guards before you're going to find my first offensive tackle. Shame. It's crazy. Shame. Um, so, well, 
you know, we can get into that in just a second here. The, the problem, Kyle, the problem with these offensive tackles is something about them brought their score down. Look at Ryan Ramchek. He has a first-round film score from me, but his production score is a 65, which crushed his score. It brought him down. It made him a, a high two. Uh, you know, each one of them, there's something like that. Same well, thing and then never, never mind the fact he has the hip issue that yeah. prevented him from testing in the spring. So now you have to ask questions about uh, the status of his hip. If right. it's going to be a long-term problem or not. Right. He's got first-round tape. There, there's no question. But yeah. when, when we're trying to evaluate these players and treat them all the same and, and, and each part of the evaluation weighs certain things, you know, that's going to knock them down. And it's, it's not, I'm not going to be – it takes out the personal bias and me saying, oh, well, I'm sure this hip's fine and we'll, you know, we'll just I, – I feel like he's the 12th best player in the class or whatever. So um, it, it hurt him more, obviously, on my scale than it did yours. Yeah, and um, I have a confession to make since we're talking about first-round film grades that had guys knocked down. Mm-hmm. Uh, T.J. Watt, I, I am the lowest guy in the room on T.J. Watt. Doesn't make sense, right? <laughs> no, it's 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 a cruel twist <laughs> for you to come out and have him twice as high on your board as I do on mine. Yeah, well, it happened with a few guys like that. T.J. Watt is, what, 15 on my board, and then you were, you've been Mitch Trubisky, oh, God, since the weeks five, six of the season, and... He's I your, have him higher than you. Yeah, but he's uh, your quarterback, too. He's a one-year starter versus Deshaun Watson as a three-year starter. That's the difference. It's about 12 spots on the board. So you want to throw some – just get into some names here because I've got one guy that I've been – Oh, uh, you're you're itching to talk to me about Elijah McGuire, huh? Oh, please. That's not the guy. The guy yeah. – <laughs> I'd be happy to talk are, about Are we Elijah. doing top names? Are we doing top names? Um – just stuff that stands out. Well, we can, but I, I just had a few that right, stood well, out to me. Let's let's get this one off okay. your chest since it's it's hurting you. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, and this surprises me, right? So I'll go ahead and give you the name so you can think about what you're going to say because I know I'm catching putting you on the spot here. I want to talk about Jermaine Illuminer, Texas A&M offensive tackle. Uh, he's my 70th ranked prospect. He's your 157th ranked prospect. Okay. I, I like this dude, man, and I think he really fits your new offensive line philosophy that you're uh, you've you've established here with you and Sean Payton. You know the ass ass plus mass kicks ass type thing. I mean, this dude's a people mover if I've ever seen one. He's big. He I think I I believe in him as a pass blocker as well with his arms, with his balance, with his uh, I think sets very consistent uh, angles when when pass blocking. He, you know he's. A rugby wrestling background from London, moved here when he was 14. Uh, I just feel like this is a, a player oozing with upside. I like this tape, um, and, and you know, considerably more than you do in terms of the entire evaluation. What's up, man? What, what do you what do you miss? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. All right. His film score came out identical as his overall evaluation. So that means the the peripheral metrics, the fact that he was. A one-year starter, 13 starts in 25 games, um, had no impact on his final assessment score, 702. So that's a fourth-round value for me. Uh, If you're presenting me the case study of a guy who's played two years at the Division I level, um, has, as you alluded to, great upside, the frame you're looking for as far as bodies to uproot people along the point of attack, I think that's a perfectly reasonable range 
to value that player. It just speaks to the depth of the class. I gave him a fourth round value. Sure. What was his piece? I'm, I'm, I'd like to know. Uh, seven one three out of nine. It's good, right? Uh, it's very good. He, yeah. His size. He's six three and seven eighths, three hundred thirty two pounds. Uh, 32 and a quarter arm ran 5-2-2, which is better than average, and had 34 on the bench, which is in the top tier. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, athletically, he helped himself quite a bit with his size. Um, arm length passes threshold, but it's not great. But again, he was if 33 he can move, and a quarter. Uh, where, where from from his pro day, he was actually 33 and a quarter on the arms. Yeah, that's what I had meant. Oh, okay, I thought you said 32. No, thirty-three and a quarter. So okay. he passes threshold, but yeah. he's not like Cam Robinson with oh, or, um, or Sam Rod- Tevy. Sam Tevy's got Johnson. thirty-five inch arms. Yeah, so uh, he's got enough. He, sure, he can play, and it didn't it didn't really hurt him all that much. Yet, like I said, he had a good PSR. Um, the production and and leadership were not great again because he's a one year player. But uh, when I watch him, I think it's it's just I would draft him in the fourth round. It just happens to be a byproduct of uh, he, he's he's got a ways to go as far as cleaning up the technical side of his game. Uh, he can be I I noted that he was a little passive with his initial punch in many instances, and uh, led to him having to recover at the point of attack. I'm interested to hear if you brought that bought that or not. And then I noted that he projects best into primarily zone heavy systems, which is interesting for a big big body and a people mover but it's because of his skills at the point of contact right now are not great if you develop him he can be can be a scheme diverse guy and this is somebody that you know you take developmental guys with with high tools early on day three that's where he landed on the board so you specifically mentioned his hands. I do have a note here that he needs to carry his hands higher in the stance and the punch can be quicker and more compact. So I think okay. we, are, we are seeing that. Um, I just really bought into this guy as an ass kicker uh, that can move. You know, it's like a rare combination. Most of these big, the, the, the guys that really kick ass, they can't move. And, and I saw that he could move and I got, you know, I got really excited. And I still am excited. Yeah, the I mean, juice is flowing, baby. But you know, he's a third round value for me, uh, for me, actually very close to a second round value. Uh, 84.29 and is his grade. And my, my second round cutoff is 85. So he just missed by, you know, seven hundredths of a point. Um, but, uh, really got excited when I saw him and, and, uh, you know, I guess you, you value him in the fourth round, which isn't all that much of a difference. But you know, I'm thinking that this is a little bit more of a of a ready to go guy than you are. Okay, and that's fair. Um, I want to talk to you about Tyler Orlowski. Okay, if we're if we're talking about offensive linemen that somebody's way off on, uh-huh. I had him 89th on my board. You had him 201st. Yeah, he's only he's one of only like two starting caliber centers in my opinion in this draft. I'm interested. What like where did we miss the boat here? What are you not seeing? So let's see here. Um, I said here's here's the, the the main deficiency that I noticed here. Orlowski lacks the ability to back up his punch with low pads and power for legs. While his base is consistent, he fails to sink his hips and anchor to create a leverage advantage when drive blocking. Uh, so I, I didn't I didn't have a lot of respect for his ability to leverage his hips. Okay, and my counter to that is look specifically at the role of a center at the next level. A lot of those guys are help guys. They're second-level guys. They're space guys. 
in pass protection, I think he's okay. Um, he's he's certainly not a power center. He's not a Ryan Kelly. Um, but I think if you're playing a lot of zone, inside zone or outside zone, um, this is somebody I would I would invest a draft selection in if I need a center late day two, early day three. And I'm interested. So you just don't see the baseline functional strength. That's that's what I'm taking. Yeah, I, I didn't respect his strength. I mean, I do have notes in space. Climbs the second level with good timing. Does well to seal. Breaks down. It doesn't initiate contact too early. Has a great hit rate. Uh, I mentioned that his run blocking sounds good. He sustains blocks with a well placed punch. Upper body strength sounds good. Good sounds body good. control can absorb contact and, ste- and seal. Um, sounds good. So I do notice those things. I have likable things about him, but when I, I worry about that power right on top of him and whether okay, or not so- he can quickly releverage his hips. And, and handle it. So this is stylistically, just probably so. I what mean, you, what you want to see from an offensive lineman versus what I want to see, right? Because and, I came, I came away from Illuminor saying uh, I'd like him more in zone because he could move and steer guys. When you're saying, oh no, he's he's got the power to over overwhelm guys when he's technically right, and then I see Orlowski and say, okay, as a help <laughs> center and pass protection, he's got enough. And his space works really good, and you say, "Now nah, I can't move, guys." <laughs> this is fun, isn't it? That's what, that's what I'm taking away from it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong. I mean, that's a really nice synopsis on those two players. Okay, so go ahead, give me, give me another one. Put me on the spot. Oh, I, we've got to get to Elijah McGuire, right? Okay. Uh, do you want to get deep in the board, or do you just want to do top guys for now? Oh gosh. I mean, I mean I'll talk about Elijah McGuire if you want. I could talk about how he's he's comparable running back to Kenneth Dixon. Oh. Um, what? What is it? Okay, Elijah McGuire is five nine, two hundred and twelve pounds. Okay. He ran four five flat, and he's one of the best receiving backs in this group, and he has. 4,300 yards and 42 rushing touchdowns. Now you compare the production that I just said that he has with the film. He's not a power runner. And I'm starting to see a trend here that unless you're just a man child, (laughs) Joe doesn't like you. Hey, I I like good physical football players. So what what the the disparity here is uh, he's your 74th player, right? And he's my 247th player. So this is a huge... 173 spots in the board, man. No big deal. No big deal. We should do a podcast together, man. Talk about the draft every day. Right. Uh, yeah. so, so Elijah I, you know, I, I, I make the note here. He projects as a scat back. I like his receiving ability. He can function in space. Um, but I noted that he lacks desirable power even for a niche back. I, I don't feel like he offers anything after contact and rarely, if what? ever, breaks God, a tackle. Yeah. No vision between the tackles like is underwhelming. On Twitter, huh? I've got like Ted gifs on Twitter of him putting his head down on guys. Yeah, and uh, the no it, it, vision between the tackles was poor, um, and I, I just I just didn't see enough of the complimentary yeah. tweets to go with the scat back tendencies. Okay, so. And again, this is it's a loaded deck question because you just hate running backs as far as like day two investments, right? I don't know. I had two I think I had two first round grades on running backs, which is okay. pretty historic for me. Well, I ha- I had three, so um, Who was your, your third? I, oh Mixon, yeah, yeah, Mixon. Yeah, Joe Mixon. 
Mr. 51st on the board. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, <laughs> oh, so I'm curious. Did, did the fact that it was running back have any impact for you as why you marginalized him so much? No, I'll be honest with you. I have no bonuses or negatives based on position. Okay, so this is just straight out you think he can't play and you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. Okay, okay. And just just clarifying your stance. Um, I I gotta ask you about Stephen Taylor from Houston too. While oh, we're at it, bad talk about my guys. Yeah. No, he's not. Okay. He's a great will prospect. Great. You just said the word great. I have 105th on the board. I have him. If you if you're looking, if you're looking for a late day two, early day three guy to be a pursuit player i think he's fine you don't play him in traffic he's a good rusher he's a pressure player you can bring off the second level or you can flex him inside on passing downs and let him play forward and be a stunt player i have no qualms with taking him say round four seventh round value for me uh like the experience, I like the production. He made his share of splash plays. He made a lot of turnovers. Uh, he's a really nice blitzer. You know, he times that up really nice. But uh, actually, he's a good finisher as well. But here's my issue with him. I think he lacks any type of explosive gear uh, to provide that range and that short area quickness to hold up in today's NFL. I really value that. I really value those, those urgent players that have a lot of range. Uh, I don't necessarily like the way he deals with blocks. He's a bit undersized. Uh, so, you know, he's got okay, a lot so of stuff working for, against him here, man. It's about strength again. Yeah. <laughs> what, man? You like... You, yeah, you, yeah, 50, 50 tackles for loss, and you're telling me he's an undrafted player. <laughs> production. His production score was outstanding, a 93. He has a almost a top 10 grade in terms of production for me. Uh, yep. However, he had a, a, a UDFA grade for athleticism, UDFA grade for size, and his film was right there at a, at okay. a seventh round grade. So this is why you got to circle back. You got to, and in my opinion, you have to ask yourself: Is there a specific niche role for a player like this? Sure. And you, you clearly don't think so. I think no. I need linebackers that can run. I need linebackers that can filter through traffic. I need linebackers that can cover and chase. And he does. I mean, we. What does he do? He plays with timing. No, you play him at will. You don't make him play through traffic. I need range from my will linebacker, Krabs. Okay, but he's got enough motor, and I think he has enough range, even if he doesn't have that explosive closing burst, that he can be a backup spot starter, which he's right there on the fringe of third and fourth round in terms of value for me as a player. And that's what my expectation is for those kinds of players. I'm not drafting a guy in the third or fourth round expecting him to be a starter. Well, I, sure. I just, I mean, I, I don't think you said anything that makes me think, you know what, I really need to re- rethink my evaluation of Steven Taylor. That's fine. So, Why don't you give me, I, I think, we'd, um, if he came into the league 15 years ago, you think he's a box safety? Oh, man, or do you, that's so interesting. You, um Maybe, maybe. Yeah, you think like Indianapolis Colts, like what they did with Cato June type yeah. stuff? Yeah, 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 I can get behind that, yeah. Okay, so so maybe the the, the trending of the league 
uh, has kind of gotten away from him in terms of him, in your opinion, having a long-term role. For sure, and that crushes a lot of linebackers for me. Yeah. Okay, go ahead, give me another one. All right, let's see here. Oh, man. Um, let's let's do Raekwon McMillan. Um, oh, man. Talk linebackers now. I got a guy I have here, 53rd on my board. He's 129 for you. That's a 76-point uh, differential there. What's up, man? You don't see a you don't see a, a star, early starter here in, in Raekwon because uh, I do. Okay, so I don't see the lateral redirection skill. I think he's a little more scheme specific. I don't think he's a true Mike. Um, I'll read you right off the, the prospect summary. Raekwon McMillan is a two year starter for the Buckeyes, linear athlete with some excellent traits for a three four defensive unit looking to assist and run support. McMillan lacks, lacks overall movement skills to be relied upon in space as a man-to-man defender and struggles with short area quickness and transitions to pick up routes when working in his area in the middle of the field. As such, McMillan's most favorable role is primarily as a run defender to work between the tackles and blow up run fits and bottle the ball carrier. A team looking to utilize McMillan in other ways would be well served to find him in a pressure package. He has an adequate step from the line of scrimmage and the function, functional strength to run through a lot of weak block attempts from backs and protection. McMillan is a limited upside starter prospect in a 3-4 gap responsibility defense. See, so that's interesting, and, and those are some things that I've noted some of that, but what I thought, uh, right here in my, on my notes on lateral influence and range, I said he isn't a fast-flowing to the sideline, but he takes terrific angles he commits quickly finds his way with good paths and pursuit would benefit from dropping weight and increasing mobility but movement skills are adequate uh, even though he lacks the movement uh, range of higher tier prospects so um, I, I I agree with that but I thought that his paths his his play strength's really good and and the angles and that he gets a quick read kind of overcame a lot of uh, the stuff you mentioned yeah and, and just to kind of elaborate into to functional strength and and you know plugging uh in block shedding, I have strength in the hands is excellent to gain control of offensive linemen climbing to the second level. Does well to stack blocks with strength prior to extending arms and shedding to get off into pursuit. Um, no, he's he is a traditional plug guy for me. I think you can play him at either spot on in the inside of a 3-4 defensive front. I'm not asking him to play Mike. I'm not asking him to play the middle in a 4-3. I'm not asking him to play Sam in a 4-3, um, and he doesn't show particularly well, in my opinion, playing away from the line of scrimmage. So for that, I just happen to assess a player like that and say, okay, uh, I, I can definitely put him in my starting lineup, but I don't, I'm not totally convinced he's a three-down player, and he's scheme-specific, so that hurt him for me. So, so let me uh, ask you this, because I, I know, I know your, your system, and, and so I would think without looking at the numbers right now, and I'd like you to validate this, I would think that he actually tested athletically pretty good. He would have an outstanding leadership score, I would think. So was the – his production's really good. So was it – was the film was the film below those and, and it elevated him, or did those peripheral metrics not help him as much as I think they would have? Okay, so his film score was a 7.24, and his overall was a 7.16. So, so he dropped. Wow! It he dropped less than a tenth of a point. His leadership score was a seven seven seven. That's good. Uh, his production score was average, and his PSR was average. Okay, I see. I, maybe it was. I thought his athleticism, his his athletic testing was really good. Okay, and that's where you 
that's where people get caught because he ran four six one, right? Well, I'm looking at all of it. It looks pretty decent to me. Okay, well, a 33-inch vert is below average. A 4.39 in the short shuttle is a full tenth of a second longer than the average. And the standing broad is three, three inches better than the average. So he had an outstanding test with his 40-yard dash, a below-average short shuttle, a below-average vertical, and a slightly above-average standing broad jump. But does, does his, given his uh, size at nearly 6'2", 240 pounds, 33-inch arms, I mean, does that... I mean, you got to remember, this data pool's 12 years old, so 240 pounds for a linebacker is not historically earth-shattering. Okay. And that's interesting because mine's, mine only goes back the last five years for my yep. averages. So that's yep. something that's, that's notable right there. Yeah, I think if you if I would have cut that down, mm-hmm. um, he probably moves up. If I had to guess, he passes Duke Riley, Riley Bulla, Marquell Lee. Oh, those guys are above McMillan Krabs? Yes. You're not serious, are you? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you've got Riley Bulla, Marquell Lee, and who? Um, Duke Riley. Duke, okay, I guess I can deal with that. Man. Again, the this entire tier of guys from like, I mean, I guess Reeves, Maben, Blair Brown, uh, down through McMillan, Anzalone, Hardy Nickerson, Kendall Beckwith. That group, there's like a group of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine linebackers. They're all scheme specific starters for me. I think in the right scheme, you can get away with starting those players. See, for me, I have, you know, Foster, Reddick, and then it's like Davis, Cunningham, McMillan, Bowser are pretty similar for me. Okay, so Foster, Reddick, Bowser, Davis, Cunningham, Vallejo. My top seven are probably the the exact same as yours. I I don't have your linebacker ranks in front of me. It's Foster, Reddick, Bowser, Cunningham, Davis, Vallejo, Reeves, Maven. Everything is exactly the same except for I have McMillan. I just it's, it's interesting how we could be so similar on what we like here, and then Raekwon McMillan's the one, the oddball. So what was the uh, – you have Vallejo is my number nine, uh, and so inserting Raekwon McMillan is, is what Okay, Vallejo, Vallejo's my six. Okay. So uh, where do you have Blair Brown, by the way? Seventh. Okay, I had him eight. So you like Blair Brown. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's let's tend some of these wounds here and give Blair Brown some love because oh. he's never I never talked about. It kills me. Yeah. Well, now we can, I mean our full evaluations are done, man. Everything is open now. So go go ahead, set the tone. Let's talk Blair Brown. I like Blair Brown. He's going to get railed because he's under 6 foot, right? Um, uh, who cares? But athletically across the board, 465 is above average for a 40. 37 inches on the vert's above average. 10-4 is better than Raekwon McMillan's, who's above average. Uh, he broke seven seconds in the three-cone shuttle with 6.92, which is above average, and ran a 4.18 uh, short shuttle, which is above average. Very good athlete. Even with him being under six foot at 238 pounds, uh, he had a seven PSAR score out of nine. So he's above average at size-adjusted athlete in spite of being under six feet. Uh, and you see that on film. Uh, I like the way he tackles. Mm-hmm. I like his flow to the ball. I mm-hmm. think he's a quick mental processor. I think he's got three-down capability. He's got nice range. If you're not asking to play in the deep areas of the field, if you play him in the, the flats sure. 
or as, as a robber right there on the second level. Um, yeah, th- that's those are areas that I think he can be successful as a as a pass defender, and man, he's he's got so much leverage taking on blocks, like mm-hmm. playing forward. Mm-hmm. Like there there's times where low man wins and he just blows up offensive linemen turning up into the alley. It's I love him as a player. Yeah, no, I mean I don't want to sit here and repeat everything you said, but my notes are extremely similar. Uh, he's a third round value for me. Uh, right, very solid. Project him as a starter. I guess one thing that would be interesting to maybe get into is what's his optimum position for you? Oh, geez. Um, I said inside linebacker in a four three. Mike, you, you like him as Mike? Yeah, yeah, I'm good with that. I could get on board. Uh, I think he's got some flexibility because he can do some coverage stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm not playing him up on the line of scrimmage. No, no. I'm not having him as like a 4-3 under <laughs> Sam linebacker or anything like that. But if you're going to play him in space, I would be comfortable with him being flexed out to a twin set, kind of really? shading okay. the difference between a oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the slot receiver and the offensive tackle. And I'm not asking him to turn and run and cover anybody. But if you're going to ask him to play zone coverage in a role like that uh, – and start out in space. I think he can do that. So I think he's he's multiple, which probably gives him a good chance to be a three-down linebacker. Go ahead, give me give me some hate. Give it's time to get back hate. on the hate let's train. Do the, let's let's do another juicy one. And this is um, this is one that you like more than me. And let me let me buy a second here and, and get the exact numbers here. Fabian Moreau. Oh man. Your twenty fifth, yeah. your twenty fifth best prospect. Yeah, and I love Fabian. You, you just sorted it on me, so I don't know what my what he is. Here <laughs> <laughs> we, we got right one hundred two, one hundred two, one hundred two for me. And I know, look, I'm in another planet on this. A lot of people agree with you on Mister Moreau. So, do you kind of want to set the stone here, the stone, the stage here, and uh, let me uh, rebuttal? Yeah, I'll set the stone. <laughs> I'm um, telling you, man, I'm rusty. I have a, I'm, try, I'm trying to think of a Game of Thrones reference to see if you're like uh, hustling me, and you you know what you're talking about. I don't know. Any, <laughs> I should just go uh, with it. Yeah, yeah. Stone references. Um, <laughs> Fabian Moreau has experienced an excellent recovery season after a tough break in 2015, in which Moreau suffered a Liz Frank injury that caused him to miss the final ten games of his true senior season. In 2016, Moreau's game improved uh, with little hangover. Blessed with high-end twitch and explosiveness, Moreau has the size and movement skills to be an effective man-to-man defender on the boundary at the NFL level. Moreau's physical skill set is complemented with surprisingly strong football intelligence. He trusts his eyes and backfield keys when working off the ball in zone coverage. Moreau brings a likable physicality to the catch point, but needs to be more physically assertive in the supplemental areas of the position in order to bring a higher level of impact to the game on a snap-by-snap basis. Can be an early effective starter. Now, I will say, in man-to-man coverage, he gives up mm. some really easy inside breaks, and that's Everybody a problem. Everybody gets an inside release on Fabian Moreau. Yes, it's very problematic. But there, I can think of three or four plays down in the red zone where he gives that up, but that plant and drive step is so explosive that he's able to make that ground back up and get back into the hip pocket and work underneath to challenge the ball. So um, converted running back here. So obviously yes. there's some, some yeah. up, upside. And, that, and that's why I mentioned surprisingly mm-hmm. uh, strong football intelligence because he is green as a defensive player. So for me, what, what really hurt him, and I recognize the upside, and I just the way that, I valued the product that he put out there. It didn't. It didn't score as well. He's the third round grade for me, so let's keep that in mind here. I don't hate 
Fabian Morrow. But the reason why I don't value him as high as you know Kyle and, and so many others is, uh, number one, I thought the ball skills were, were poor. Um, number two, really? Yeah. Are you talking about tracking the ball? Or are you ta- talking about challenging the ball? Tracking. Okay. Tracking, not challenging. I, I don't. I don't have. So when so when his head's back and he's running away from the line of scrimmage, yeah, trying to stay in somebody's hip pocket, yeah. you think he gets loose? Yeah, yeah. Staying connected okay. to his man while playing the ball is, is a problem for me. Um, then I, I thought his film was littered with passive reps, uh, despite opportunities to be physical, taking on blocks, forcing a run, pursuing the ball carrier, getting involved on a tackle attempt. I just didn't. I didn't have a lot of respect for the way that he he was in pursuit and, and as a tackler. Um, and uh, those two things killed him uh, on my board. I like the athletic profile. Uh, he's got pr- pretty nice size. Um, he's actually got pretty decent production. Um, but I just I, I didn't I didn't particularly care for some of his man coverage looks and, and some of his tackling. Okay, so it's interesting because when I read through my ball skills category, I talk about low frequency of impacted impacted plays, but flashes of strong football intelligence and route pattern combination recognition. Has good hands, capable of cleanly plucking the ball, will attack in front of hands of receivers when playing in face. So I don't mention the turn and run stuff that you mentioned. And if you go back to the very end of my prospect summary, I'm talking about um, more physically assertive in the supplemental areas of the position to bring a higher level of impact. So seems like we saw a lot of the same things. Yeah, and it's maybe something where you 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 like the candy a little more than I do um, because again, I don't hate him. He's is a, a disparity in our ranking. Um, and what did you give him in the, on film? What was his film score? 78.5, which is uh, high three. High four, okay. excuse me, high four. So okay. the other so stuff you, brought you were lower. On, you were lower on, yeah, I was going to say for me, uh, he actually scored uh, five hundredths of a point lower on his overall than his film. Uh, but he, his, his PCR was really strong. Yeah, I bet, and right. The yeah. Corners, uh, he was over an eight. So and you're, fit. yeah, and that impacts corners probably more. Yes, yeah. it, your boundary players are where you're going to see the most impact mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. on overall assessments with the PSR um, athleticism rating. So uh, he was a beneficiary of that for sure. Joe, I want to ask you about uh, where was he? I all right, let's do Joe Mixon. I had somebody else, but I got to find him. Uh, we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Right? Um, but 51 still pretty respectable for Joe Marino in a running back assessment. Oh, yeah, because I recognize some of the special traits, special rare traits that he has. There's no question. Um, supremely talented. You get him in space, he's dominant. His physicality takes over. Dynamic receiving skills are extraordinary. Um, the the point that I've made routinely on Joe Mixon is that I have stylistic concerns that give me reason for caution. I think the way he presses the line of scrimmage is very nonchalant. Um, he's slow to commit between the tackles. I, I think it's an interpretation thing. Some people say that's patient, um, but I think that it's that he's just doing way too much in the backfield to sway the defense before committing. Um, and uh, I think NFL defenses are going to eat that alive. Um, okay. I, I think he's going to have a high a high percentage of one yard to negative carries. Um, but I recognize once he once he's on the loose, once he breaks free, uh, once he commits, I mean, this is this is a special player as you're going to find. Uh, but if he's if he's going to sit back there and try to move the defense, manipulate them, I mean, these guys are going to friggin' laser in on him. He's going to be toast in the backfield. So um, 
I, Unless he changes the urgency, in your opinion. Yeah, I think he's got to change the urgency when pressing the line of scrimmage. And I, I get, I get patience. I get reading your blocks, letting things develop. Um, but I also get C three, get three, and maybe fall forward and get four or five. Like, um, yeah, it's so, it's just a stylistic caution. Um, still a second round grade for me. Um, Fifty one on my board, fourth running back. I mean, obviously, I project him as a starter. Uh, I think when you couple. You couple this with, with obviously, a poor resume. Uh, it's stuff that certainly didn't help him. Can I ask you about Jordan Lewis? <laughs> um, First of all, I don't, how much is Coach Harbaugh paying you? Oh, Kyle, didn't you see that one interception that he made with one hand? That's all. That's the only play I watched, man. I thought no, was- I'm not talking about just Jordan Lewis. I'm talking about Coach Harbaugh. Oh. You are like, your <laughs> Michigan rankings are out of this world, dude. Dude, it's, there's, nothing, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I, there really isn't. Uh, who are we going over? We were going over players that you're higher, notably higher on than I am, and I think like three of the first six guys are all Michigan guys, like <laughs> Delano Hill, yeah, uh, Ryan Glasgow, good player. Uh, no, he's not. Channing Stribling, good player. Uh, n- no, he's not. Uh, Jordan Lewis, good player. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> I don't, uh, all these guys I have named, I think the highest one on my board is like 226. And then you like, like Darbo, and I don't really like Darbo. Dude, if Darbo could catch, if right. we could do it. If kind we of could a do big a, deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen to me. If Darbo could get a hand transplant, he would be one of the best receivers in this class. Sure. Now, I, I still think, uh, Jesus, that ball rattles around a lot. But the, the route running ability the size and functional strength that he has, and if you can let him get a damn accurate pass down the field, I think big play Darbo is just begging to come out. He's just begging to come out. Sure. Uh, and you you saw Will Fuller, who can't catch a freaking cold, oh, go know. in the top 30 because he's fast, runs fast, and is a vertical big play guy. Now, Darbo is big, not as fast, but he has so many reps of just, he rolls through guys playing off coverage mm-hmm. and runs right by them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really nice. And are you being facetious? No, no, I'm being, I'm being dead serious with you. Yeah, okay. No, yeah. So that, those situations for me, I have Darbo as a third-round guy, so let's not act like I'm sitting here like pounding the table for Darbo's top 50 player. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand his limitations, and as far as trying to get the guy to to not slap his palms together trying to catch the ball if he's square to it, um, but I think with what he can do and what he can be and where he wins, I, I certainly think there's a value there to, to be a flanker or, or be a boundary receiver at the next level. Yeah, so we, we mentioned the hands with him. I also have some, some notes on him about body positioning at the catch point that I thought was a little bit, Wasted movement um, or, or inefficient framing of the ball? Because I saw some of that. Yes, yes, exactly. Just getting boxing out, jockeying for position, just a little bit inconsistent for his, you know, what's actually a pretty solid frame. All right, now don't distract me from uh, Jordan Lewis. You, you need to talk about Jordan Lewis. It's hard to complete a pass on that guy, man. <laughs> Dude, he's, he's small and stiff. Hold on, I, I, I got to get to the notes here. I was all out. Oh, my lordy Lou. Okay, and I didn't really, myself, I didn't really pick up on 
his stiffness until I went back and looked, uh, or until we saw him at the Senior Bowl. And then I came away from the Senior Bowl, I was like, ah, he looked kind of stiff in some of his transitional stuff. And then there was a play, uh, I believe it was the game winner against Florida State, where they went after Lewis, and he just showed a lot of tightness trying to get his body around to greet that ball. It was thrown over his shoulder in the end zone, and it was like the perfect epitome for me. Yeah, there you go. I have it, actually have it noted here in, in terms of ball skills. Um, the or, the game-winning touchdown the Orange Bowl, you go back and watch, and his work to get around and challenge that ball was tight. And some of his transitions for me were tight. And if you're going to be 5'10 on the dot under 190 as a corner, you better not be freaking tight. So I don't disagree, and I'm looking over <clears throat> over my notes here. Um, <clears throat> I liked his balance, and and I um, one thing I, I thought I thought his transitions were smooth. I, I didn't necessarily think that they were overly fluid. Um, I thought I thought they were clean. Um, I liked his balance. Um, obviously, the ball skills are very exciting. Uh, he's physical, so he's willing to play physical, even though he's a little he has a diminutive frame. I use the word diminutive to describe his frame on the report, uh, but he's still an aggressive tackler. Uh, you know, he's not passive. I thought he had really good uh, mental processing skills, strong in zone, layering coverage, reading the backfield, sliding into throwing lanes. Route anticipation were very, very nice. Um, I, I, I like the package here. I, I mean, I get it that he's not the most explosive athlete, but um, if I can have him playing some underneath zone stuff and letting him, you know, read the backfield and work to the football, I, I think he's I think he's a nice player. Okay, so he's less explosive than both – Corn Elder and DeMonte Casey, and you're preferring him in the same role, correct? Yes. Okay, so he's cut like a cover two guy for you if you're going to play him on the boundary. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting into those other guys, I I think I think that this I guess this is a hot take, if you will. I think Jordan Lewis's ability to turn and run with receivers in, in off man is better than Kazee and Elder. I don't know if that's a. Uh, I don't know if that's a hot take. Well, I mean, you you tiered those guys together, and I and I I notably believe that Lewis is better than both. Okay, of them. but if you're going to play him in cover two man, which is where you think he's best, right? I or play him in the, two, cover yeah, two zone. Sure, yeah. Cover two zone. He doesn't have the transitional quickness of either one of those guys. So that's what that's where because Casey and Elder for me they're both third round values. I have, uh, I have Jordan Lewis as a fifth round value, yeah. and a lot of that stems from he's not as twitched. He's not able to jump routes. Now he's smooth, like you said. I wouldn't argue that, um, but when he's got a flip and run, he's tight. And I got you can't be short with thirty one inch arms. And be tight trying to run up the field with guys. It's not a good combination. All right. So, for the record, you had him, what, 69th? Uh, Lewis? Yeah. Uh, I was down looking at Kazian Elder. Uh, here he Shh. is. Jordan Lewis. Oh, no, he's not that high. Though. This is crazy. Trying to navigate through this PDF and uh, 69th, yeah, it's exactly where nice. I am. Yeah, nice. 
Nice. Okay, so si- <laughs> I'm 191st. So it's a difference of about 130. No big deal. Some slots. No big deal. Uh, you got any more that are grinding your gears? Um, I mean, I would want to get into a Cal Witherspoon. We've already done that. Um, that was our biggest disparity where I had yeah, the guy higher than yours. Dietrich Wise, you're a hater, man. Big time hater. I, I, uh, I want to like him. And you, you remember we'll in the like summer. <laughs> you, you remember in the summer, right, yeah. when we did our, our film assessment, I came away, I was like, man, like, Weiss is pretty nice. Um, <laughs> did you do that on purpose right there? Yes, I did do that on okay. purpose. Okay, all right. Uh, he's got really good length, and he's a nice power rusher. And, you know, I get that he was dinged this year, right? Like, and, and I know that's what people are saying. Like, his feet were so heavy this year, and he couldn't get off of blocks as well, and it was when they tried to play him in an every-down roll. And I understand to some degree that he was hurt. I just don't know what you do with him. Um a lot of his productivity, in my opinion, with his his uh, splash plays were um, very one-dimensional. And I don't think he has the athletic ability to continue uh, to win at the NFL level being as one-dimensional that, as he was with a, a lack of real burst and... Uh, redirection skills were not good. I don't think he's explosive. And uh, I I think when you're at your best as a pass rusher and you really only have so much to bring to the table as far as getting into fits and playing off of contact, uh, that's something I really struggle to project. So that's, that's why I am where I am, having seen Wise play in a every-down role and not seeing any development as far as how he plays off of contact and wins as a pass rusher. I've got one more that I've got to bring out, bring up here, and um, this is the darling of the NFL draft community on Twitter. I like him. I'm not certainly oh, not okay. in love with him. You already know who it is, don't you? Probably. George Kittle. Yeah. Tight end, Iowa. Um, yeah. You got him two. Two fourteen. Okay. He's a draftable player. I'm not drafting um, my primary run blocker in the, the second day of the draft. Sorry. <laughs> so you don't it's, respect his receiving ability is what I'm hearing. No, I don't. No. Okay. Uh, if I get into route running, effective releasing off the line of scrimmage and getting around contact, when releasing from inline position, does not inspire with quickness at the top of route stems, but does well to alter speeds and accelerate when attacking up the seam. Hands, sees the ball into hands with consistency and is a reliable hands catcher when tasked with receiving in traffic or in the middle of the field. Possesses a desirable catch radius. If I get down into his player assessment, uh, Kittle stunned at the NFL Combine by registering a 40-yard dash that was comparable to Alabama's O.J. Howard. Kittle lacks the dynamic receiving skill set of Howard. Instead, he's a more traditional inline style blocker with good mirror skills and the ability to be an effective space blocker or assist player in pass protection. Kittle has strong footwork at the line of scrimmage and is consistent working in the favorable positioning with his blocks. There are times that a lack of functional power results in him losing his footing when not playing forward. However, by and large, this is a reliable blocker. Kittle's upside as a receiver is tempered, by, but he's capable of being... More of an impact player than what was seen at the Iowa program. Kittle should be valued as a quality tight end two option on the third day of the draft. 
and poses a fair amount of developmental upside if he can apply his movement skills into his routes with more efficiency. Yeah, so I mean, I have him as a fourth round value, and, and your last your last point you made there was what I wanted to get into was, you know, obviously there's an athleticism to him. He tested really well. Um, his hands are good, but his route running is is notably, you know, underwhelming. It uh, doesn't do anything really to separate on himself or run nuanced routes. Uh, but he can block. So I thought I thought maybe that that was something that could be developed because you have a, a nice ability to block. You have speed. You have hands. You just, you know, the route running wasn't there. So uh, I'm a little bit more bullish about his ability to develop as a route runner. You're still seeing him cap. Well, he's, he's, in, he, he's in the range as a developmental starter. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, so, that's probably fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's my expectation for, you know, if you're in the middle of the third or the, the third day of the draft – which is where, in a vacuum, he's valued as, like a fifth, sixth. Mm-hmm. Um, those are players I expect to have developmental upside, and if things click, that's somebody that you can hope can turn into a starter for you down the line. Yeah. So, uh, who else? Who, who else do you have, man? Dude, uh, what the hell did you see in Josh Harvey Clemens? Oh, I saw Foresight! No, man. Yeah, let me pull this up. Because I played hate... linebacker. No, I hate, dude, I hated him over the summer, right? Like, I thought he was terrible. And then there was some... Go oh, ahead. I got a couple. I got a couple. Of those? I, I got, no, I got three more three more players I need to know what you saw. Okay, well, Harvey Clemens, um, obviously you hate all the off the field, right? He's got, like, serious red flags. Um, but um, I guess here's what I said is uh, I think he's a tweener hybrid linebacker, best served playing closer to the line of scrimmage at the next level, has an aggressive attacking player that will hold his own in the box, uh, does well to work through traffic, find his way to the football where he's a good finisher, considerable length and play speed. He has a wide tackle radius. He uses his hands to filter through junk and find the football. Uh, background and physical traits are an asset to him in coverage where he can match up with tight ends and man coverage and cover short area zones. The off-field issues are a concern, um, and uh, but I like the ceiling. I thought that this was a, a really nice, at a minimum, sub-package player that uh, can can help a team situationally. He's a fifth-round value for me, so it's not like I'm like pounding the table for him You know, even early day three. But If I've, you have him above 270, I need to talk to you about well, it. Well, he's 165 for the reasons yeah. I just said. I like the, those, those assets. Harvey Clemens is a strong safety with the Cardinals, but his NFL projection is most favorable as a nickel linebacker and cover option working in the middle of the field. Harvey Clemens has some needed polish across the requires some needed polish across the board. Most notably, he shows poor tackling habits when he's forced to come face to face with ball carriers isolated on the second level. Furthermore, Harvey Clemens has issues with landmarks and reading keys in the secondary, resulting in conceding some notably big plays. Harvey Clemens is going to be a notable project moving forward, but his size and fluidity as a space defender is not a regular sight. As such, he'd be worthy of a draft investment if a defensive staff thinks they can work with his raw physical ability. I bought it a little more than you did. It's it's just, he's all physical skills and no tangible football traits for me. Which is really weird that you like Eric Salbert. No. Do, are you going to hijack? Do, do we need to go talk about Salbert? <laughs> I don't know. How long are we going, man? Oh, man. Owning said he needed an hour from us, but I... Uh, I yeah, don't. I know. <laughs> All right, let's see. All right, let's talk about Eric Salbert. Okay. I want to know how how you didn't come away and say, yeah, that can be a really nice red zone player for somebody. Oh, 
Well, let me get to my notes. Well, all right. Let's also keep in mind you like Jordan Leggett for most of the year, so we got to temper any <laughs> tight end takes from Joe Marino. All right, Salbert. Salbert is an intriguing middle-round option for a team looking to add size to their crop of of middle-of-the-field receivers. Salbert will face a notable transition from his time at Drake, yet there's promising signs he's a cerebral player and should be able to acclimate to the complexity of the NFL game. Salbert does well to flatten his breaks or hinge his stems to avoid defensive leverage, providing an optimal throwing target for his quarterback. When playing along the line of scrimmage, Salbert has issues with getting his hands, hip, and feet in line as a blocker. Salbert can provide quality looks in the red zone and be a reliable receiver who knows how to use his size to his advantage. High upside for an early day three investment. I'm going to preach the gospel here on on uh, on Salbert. Just just let me give it here. Salbert had a terrific pass-catching career at Drake that vaulted him into the NFL's radar. His best role in the NFL is as a receiving threat where his ability to uncover with crisp routes and size yeah. will allow him to produce. He yeah. does well to find space against zone coverage and he has the ability yeah. to separate from man coverage. Productive yeah. after the catch, Salbert has the ability to work all levels of the field. All right, that's all good stuff. Ready? Here comes the hammer. His receiving upside is severely mitigated by egregious drops, including some that are committed when nobody is around him. His hands are not naturally made for catching footballs. Despite adequate size, Salbert fails as a blocker. He demonstrated no commitment to it. His technique and lack of contact power result in him getting dominated by edge players. His poor blocking even shows up in space where he's easily shucked at the second level. Salbert has raw ability, but he's more of a prospect that looks good on the hoof and has good athletic ability than he is in displaying football traits. Did you just use the word shucked? Yeah. In a scouting? That's outstanding. (laughs) (laughs) I use shuck a lot. That's one of my words. Let's um, Shucked. Uh, listen, 40, it's forty-five times in my in, in my guide here. So I am not drafting Salbert to be a blocker. I'm not so drafting I, him to I, catch the football either. Okay, his drops are are concentration drops, and that makes it at least a little more excusable for me than Darbo catches. I don't think his hands are Darbo caliber. I think he has a bad habit of taking his eyes off the ball to look up the field a little too often. Because I did, I did no concentration drops in my report on him in his hands category. Uh, but you know, y- you can pass on him. Yeah, I'll no get him problem. in the third round, I, and, yeah. or not the third round, the third day. I'll get him in the third day. Hard pass for me, two forty-four uh, on my board. Uh, okay, yeah, that's one thirty-nine. I think again. Red zone caliber target, receiving option, flex guy. I can work with that. You know who I can't work with? Go ahead. Montrevis Adams. Oh, I don't like him that much. You have a 134. He's got some, some bursts of nice, of nice film. Let me pull yeah. up my report here. What, a grand total of 10 plays? He scores out. Um, very low fourth round, almost a fifth round grade. Right, he's a sixth for me. So I I noted that he's improved. So I like that. I like players that show that grow. He was a lot better this year than he was in 2015. Yeah, um, but his his 13, 14, and 15 were all terrible. Sure, sure. But I I mean, what he's 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 gotten better, and that's that's apparent. Mm. Uh, I like I like his aggressive surge off the ball with good power that helps him win reps early. Um, he doesn't have enough hand technique to complement that, which is where he struggles to win reps initially. I think he's got enough functional power playing forward and enough quickness to tack gaps. 
Um, his eye discipline is bad. He's one of those guys that uh, increased their pad level to get their eyes in the backfield, and then they lose the rep. Um, but uh, I, I thought he had some rotational upside in a one-gap scheme. Yeah, see, I he's not going to be anything more than depth for me. I just don't I don't feel comfortable playing him um, with, with gap responsibilities. He's a penetration guy. If you want to be have him be a rotational rusher, great. Um, and that was my last line in his scouting report: is has some upside as a rotational pass rusher. It's about the only situation I would trust him on the field. I like and when that. he when he's when he's attacking uh, contact, he's such a bull in a china shop style guy. It's like he has no idea how to consistently play off of contact or hands, and that really bothers me. Well, I, I guess I'd prefer, I much more prefer a guy that can situationally help you as a pass rusher than these, you know, these space eating defensive tackles that are just going to occupy space and never make a play. So if there's a rotational defensive lineman that I prefer, I'd I'd rather have these this kind. I mean, and his his testing was really good. I, I'd imagine his PSR was was a nice score. No. 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 Six six seven. Okay, so obviously you. Oh, the three cone was bad. That three cone and the short subtle was really bad. So he just yeah. ran a good forty yard dash, and that was it. Yeah. 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 The rest of that's pretty terrible. And he's got thirty sub thirty two inch arms, which is not ideal. I got one more for you. All right. Okay. I, I got to talk to you about, uh, we, we kind of teased it, um, Dan Feeney. Oh, I thought you were going to go te- tease Tabor, but... Uh... Eh, no. Everybody knows that one already. <laughs> okay. So Dan, Dan Feeney at 12, huh? Yeah, man. Dude, the floor is yours. Sell me. Uh, I think his on-field traits, check every box. He's nasty, mulling, run blocker. Dominates as a drive blocker, has the quickness to work into space and execute reach blocks. Uh, is a powerful anchor, good foot speed, slide and mirror rushers. I think he's a, a week one starter. The upside to be a pillar piece on an offensive line. I mean, I don't, I really just don't have any concerns. I mean, obviously you don't like the concussions. He still started 46 career games. Uh, athletic testing was okay, and uh, this dude's an ass kicker, man. Tenacious. How about how about his pass protection? I think he absorbs and redirects power with ease, plays with power, posture, good base, sinks his hips and can anchor, slide his feet, mirror, and close down gaps. I, mean, I, I didn't have okay, any Okay, so you, you, you have no qualms about Dan. Yeah, now, when I watched him play offensive tackle win that one game, oh, man, that was some of the worst crap I've ever seen. Um, I believe it was – was it the – I don't remember which game, but I watched one game where he played mostly at right tackle, and I'm like, don't ever do that again. Yeah, and they, they rotated them in and out all year. So oh, I like hated total, that. Total disservice to Feeney. I hated that. Um, but uh, I guess I, I subscribed largely to the 15 tape and, you know, what he was able to show at the Senior Bowl. I mean, this guy just rolls people. He can move. I mean, he just really does everything I need a guard to do, and he does it at a high level. I, I, I love him. Yeah, I think he's a little more scheme-specific than I thought specifically, and that's why I'm quote-unquote low on him. I have him like 54th on the board, 55th on the board. Um, when I watch Feeney, uh, I come away feeling like, and it's interesting because for as much of an ass kicker as he is, uh, he's 304 pounds, right? So he doesn't have that traditional build of a guy. And I can see why some people would talk about, oh, maybe he's a center. 
because that's like center build. 6'4 is a little taller, but 304 is much more of a center profile than a power guard. I think he wins with tenacity. I think he's clean with his technique. Um, I think if you ask him to play uh, in slide protection and play away from him, he can have some trouble with his lateral redirection skills. But if you're going to play him forward and you're going to let him do what he does best, then I I totally agree with you that it's a plug-and-play type starter. I just I'm not there with the pass protection skills in space if he's isolated in slide protection or if you, you've got you know pressure situations where he's going to end up getting isolated one-on-one. Um, that scares me, and the concussions is a huge yeah. red flag. It scares me quite a bit. So, I, And I'll be honest, when I sorted my, bur- my board for the first time, I went, whoa, Dan Feeney is high on my board. Uh, and... Uh, I guess when I grade him in the vacuum, and he just he just cranked out the score for me, um, and uh, so that was one where it was one that caught me off guard. But you got to believe in the system, and uh, yep. you know I, I I think he's a good football player. I think he's going to be a pillar at guard for a long time. Yeah, that was um, that was admittedly that was Eddie Jackson for me. Was that guy? I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> I knew I liked you, but I didn't think I liked you that much. Was, so any others? Eddie, Eddie Jackson was the big one. You're like, holy crap. Yeah, Eddie was the big surprise, uh, 14th. Uh, going through, I was surprised Dorian Johnson finished as high as he did. I knew I liked him, but I didn't expect him to be in the early 20s on my draft board. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't expect Taewon Taylor to be my wide receiver too, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, that'll be one you're asked. You'll be asked about that for the rest of your life. Yeah, for better or for worse, for I guess we'll find out. Worse, yeah, no, yeah. For me, I, Dan Feeney obviously was one, and then T.J. Watt. I mean, I like T.J. Watt. Don't get me wrong, I love him. Uh, but I, when I sorted, when I finally hit sort and I saw him stack up, I was like, oh, okay. T.J. Watt is awfully high, and uh, I, that's fine. I, I'm willing to, to hitch my trailer to that wagon, no problem. Yeah. So, just a parting thought. I know we're we're getting there. We got close here. Um. <laughs> um Joe and I ran the numbers, and 50% of our draft, or each of our individual draft boards, we had 50% of the players within 30 spots, one way or the other, on the board. So I think that's a nice testament to the quote-unquote, the core of the class. Um, By and large, uh, Joe and I think that there's four consensus top 10 players. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we each have top 10 values on like four guys. It's, it's Garrett, Foster, Adams, Corey Davis. Uh, we were close with Sidney Jones, and we were close. You don't have Lattimore in there? Lattimore 16 for me. Oh, crabs. First round value. Leave me alone. He's a first round value. And here's the, here's the thing where it gets like kind of convoluted. Um, six through 15 on my draft board is separated by four one hundredths of a point close yeah it's very close so again that's where i would urge people don't read too much into the specific number as much as the tier mm-hmm. for a lot of the tiers i mean there's very definitive tiers all the way down the board yeah no absolutely man this was uh this was good board wars 2017 for now 
has concluded, but I feel like we've got plenty to talk about over the next couple of weeks uh, leading up to the NFL draft. Uh, guys, our, our work, our portfolios, my scouting portfolio, Kyle's tra- uh, prospectus, prospectus are available. You can purchase them on ndtscouting.com, 20 bucks. You get both Please. Draft, you get both draft guys and you get 12 months of, of premium content that uh, we think is just a, a sensational product. So we we sincerely appreciate your consideration for signing up for an NDT scouting premium subscription. Uh, that is going to do it for us today on the draft dudes podcast. Stay connected with us. We're done watching film and writing scouting reports. So we're a lot more interactive with you on Twitter. Uh, make sure you're following us. Kyle is at uh, NDT scouting. I am at the Joe Marino. Uh, we're going to be back again for you on Friday. I'm not going to be off again. I had to take those couple days off to make sure that my, uh, my portfolio was out for you guys. And we've done that. So we'll be here for you the rest of the, way and uh, big stuff on the horizon with the draft oh gosh just a couple weeks away signing off for Kyle Krabs I'm Joe Marino and this is the Draft Dudes Podcast hi it's Jamie progressive number one number two employee leave a message at the hey Jamie it's me Jamie this is your daily pep talk I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group Mad Harmony but you will bounce back I mean you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the name your price tool it should be you giving me the pep talk now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 